And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, made and angry. Hear that co-host shouting, it's Dander and Jay. The presenting sponsor here that podcast growling is Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Ainer Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you, working for you. What's up, Jay? Uh, I'm doing well, but the big question is, what's up with you? How are you feeling? I'm here. Good. I'm here. I'm feeling good. I think I've been I've been lifted up by the thoughts and well wishes of friends, family, and a lot of lot of listeners and, and readers. And I want to thank everybody who has been reaching out about my well-being being after back surgery. I, I'm I, one, one week ago, as I record this on Tuesday morning, one week ago, right at this time, I was uh, sitting there nervously wondering about uh, how long it's going to be till I get wheeled into the room. And uh, they uh, shout out to Dr. Anthony Guanciali who kicked ass. And uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling very good. I'm still limited. I'm still kind of and walks and naps are a big part of my life right now, which is great. I'm actually trying to find a way to make that be a career. Sorry, Jay, a little more work maybe on your plate there. Uh, <laughs> as I try to work more walks and naps into my life, but it's really a great thing to have to do. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing good enough that I can absolutely uh, sit here and conjure up lots of run passer boots. And uh, think about them as I've been doing well, with a lot of time in my hands and uh, drugs in my system there over the last week. But I'm, I'm weaned off and feeling good enough to, to talk about it. And there's lots that we, we're going to do an all-run, pass, or boot episode, and I'm excited about it. I am too, because well, you sent out the bat signal, and we got some really good ones. And you know, way too many to get to on this one. We, we tried to pick out some of the more interesting ones, some of our favorite ones. But, but thank you to everyone who who took the time to send something in. Cause there, there were some very creative ones, um, some really, really interesting ones, but just an overwhelming response. This podcast would be three or four hours long if we tried to get to all of them. Yeah. And, and you'll know that when we bring in our good friend, Mo Egger later, uh, as we tried to just get through a one really, really good <laughs> one. I thought that was set up perfectly sort of for the three of us. And, uh, that we really dive into and, uh, have some, have some fun with. And a couple other ones that we, we can't let Mo get away without talking about his tweets and just doing run past boots, but we play that with Mo a little bit later on in the episode. So you got that coming. Um, but we've talked, we've talked about doing this type of episode for a long time. Uh, and so that would be a fun thing to do. And with the bye week and Thursday, we're going to get really Raiders centric. 
Um, but this kind of, you know, people ask a lot of these, you know, there are some run passer boots that we have put in our pocket for Thursday. That's more about the Raiders game. Cause we got some of those. Thanks for people that sent those. Um, but it gets a good chance to do the one last reset. You know, last week we kind of took a little bit more stock of the first half and kind of figured out where everything was at. If you listen to that episode, but this week it's, it's a little chance to really kind of take a more of a predictive. I think this forced me to predict every single thing that's going to happen in the second half as I went through them all to try to like be ready. It, it was okay. I, I need to know exactly how many yards, wins, interceptions, who's going to be favored, who's going to get hurt. Like had to really be kind of all over all of that and where my, I stand on it all to, to go through this. So I think it's a good exercise to go through for this point in the season. Yeah, I actually have a Excel spreadsheet open right now that all I have to do is plug in somebody's current stats and it'll tell me what the 17 game projection is. Look at you. Wow. That's amazing. You're always <laughs> there is no spreadsheet. There's a, hey, <laughs> look, look, follow your math dreams, folks. Stay in school. It can pay off for you. Um so let's quickly before we dive into that, let's just go through some news so you have it. Uh, Jay, I'll let you kind of run the news segment. You were kind of on the news beat yesterday while I was out. Um, and, and a few big ones I see here, but what, what do you do? You have anything from Monday's availability? Is everybody returned back to work? Yeah, the the big thing was Akeem Davis Gaither is going to have surgery on Wednesday, and um, Zach wasn't definitive, but he said most likely he's done for the year, and that's. That's a big blow. Um, he, he's only played 33% of the snaps, but he's played a, a key role. He's their fastest linebacker. He's their best in coverage. We saw how bad they struggled in that regard against the Jets game. It's 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 going to force them to make some tough decisions there. Um, Marcus Bailey is, is on the COVID list. Um, they're hoping he'll be back Wednesday. Um, he would be the guy most likely to kind of fill that role if they if they just try to do a pl- plug and play. Um and then Mitchell Wilcox, tight end, backup tight end. He's also on the COVID list. Um, they promoted Michael Thomas. They now have two Mike Thomases on the roster. They pr- promoted safety Michael Thomas um, from the practice squad. Uh, he'll kind of fill in that role that is vacated by Brandon Wilson with him going on IR last week with the with the ACL. Uh, he'll fill a, the the backup safety spot there. It's probably going to be Darius Phillips doing the kickoff returns. And then they, they signed Austin Calitro. He was here for a bit last year, uh, linebacker. He's they're, they're so thin at linebacker right now. They had to go get another one and have him on the practice squad. Um, so they, they bring back a familiar face. And um, I, th- I think that covers what happened transactionally yesterday. Yeah, that's that, that's that's most of it. The, the only the only thing that I noticed is I kind of dropped in on a few things just to keep an eye on it was uh, you know, Jesse Bates basically saying, mm-hmm. "Look, I I, I I was focused on other things, uh, and and didn't play as well as I need to in the first half of the season." I don't know that it is breaking that he didn't play great in the first half of the season, but I think um, a pretty strong admittance and and you know, kind of that contract thing hanging over people's heads. Let me ask you because I, I, my longest debate when I last week you did the the grades um, for every offensive player and I did defense and special teams and I I really went back and forth on C plus B minus on on Jesse and I I settled it at B minus just because I didn't know if I was grading him too harshly on what he has been in the first nine games compared to what we expect him to be and what he's been in the last couple of years um, I was close to a C plus but I I went B minus. Uh, what would you have given him? 
I probably, the thing is I graded, you know, and I said in that grading scale was really kind of also correlative to expectations. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know that you, how you could put him as above average expectations. I would have probably a, a CC minus mm. where he's been solid. I mean, he's, he's absolutely been solid, but the missed tackles and there hasn't been the spectacular plays. You haven't seen him doing as much creating of turnovers. He hasn't been sort of what, the expectation is, and his bar is so high, and that works against him in, in grading against his own curve. So I, I definitely, I probably would have had him at a C. Um, probably at the end of the day, would, would have been where I would have stood. It's, it's, it's average, um, but really for what you expect of him, um, it's, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, I was. That's what the way I was thinking. I didn't want to do it totally on expectations. I thought that there should still be some, just based on other players at his position. That's where I kind of had that debate, which way to go. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if you sent me a bunch of grades for defensive players and I sent mine for offensive players before we had published these to see if there had been any gaping chasms between where these grades were. Cause it's, it is subjective, um, but it, you know, we've we've seen every snap of every game, and it, I, I, like I said, I would be interested to see how in line we were and where we set where, where we were different. You know, what would be a good exercise to do is to do that across some of the others on the beat, because I think a lot mm. of our conversations we get a we kind of affect each other, and we turn into almost like uh, not that we don't have different opinions and don't argue about things and have see things differently, but we you, you do get. I see certain points of view that you bring up, and I think it goes back and forth too, where where we kind of talk ourselves into something that's more in the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you went over to, you know, Locked On or to JeffHobsonBangles.com or whatever, like I, I wonder how different it would be, how differently their view they view the same thing that you're watching, because just people see things differently. Um, and I, that that might be more interesting. Maybe we'll have to do that still and and report back some results, and and uh, we'll we'll. we'll Task some of our guys, give them some work, um, and gals, of course. Uh, so let's see here. Um, other news: uh, Arby's is putting out a vodka, Jay, and I can't <laughs> let this go without bringing it up. I mean, have you been promised a bottle yet? Is it is it already shown up at your door? Did you get an early release? I mean, uh, how this is happening? Is it ta it tastes like curly fries? Is that what it is? One tastes like curly fries. One tastes like crinkle fries. So there's there's two different versions. My <laughs> my my thing here is I'm not a big vodka drinker. I'm more of a beer drinker, and um, I do like the occasional mixed drink. But it it's just that it's a mixed drink. I I can't imagine what you're gonna mix a fry flavored vodka with to make a good mixed drink. <laughs> I can't imagine how people love Arby's this much. But yet here we are. I mean, we're not living in a real world, Jay. I just wanted to make sure that we got that out in our news portion of today's podcast before we moved on. Uh, again, uh, Thursday show uh, we'll have we'll have uh, Vic Taffer, uh, of course, uh, who covers the Raiders in Vegas, on to talk about that, and we will be uh, strictly focusing on the Vegas game a huge one on Sunday as the Bengals start second half of their season with a bunch of games against a bunch of teams who are all about exactly the same uh, and how that mix comes out will decide where the season goes Sunday we'll have the walkout after the game just like normal Jay will be in Vegas I will still be here taking walks and naps but I will be working actually uh, I won't walk or nap well I might walk at halftime but I won't nap during the game uh, and uh, <laughs> I actually be able to be in a good good enough shape to be back 
on the team on Sunday, and I'm excited about that. So we'll have all that for you coming up this week. Let's dive in, Jay. I started. Let's. We're we're gonna run down them. Some I think have a little bit more debatability. Some might not be. We'll just see what happens. We'll let it flow naturally. Um, first one from Jake. Most likely to happen. Bengals make the playoffs. Chase wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. Joe Burrow leads the league in picks. I thought this one ended up being harder for me to do than I anticipated because there's a few weirdo variables in there that I kind of weren't so sure about upon research. What did you have? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at it, there's the the Burrow leading the league in picks. That's currently happening. And Chase winning the Offensive Rookie of the Year is currently happening. He is, I don't know, We I haven't seen the updated odds after Mac Jones' big game Sunday. Uh, Mac Jones may jump back in front of him as the favorite. And then you've got the playoffs, which hasn't happened in half a decade. So they are positioned for it. I, I'm going with Chase winning Offensive Rookie of the Year just because he's already got such a head start. I don't see him falling off. Um, I, I don't see it, – it's been so out of character for Joe Burrow to, to throw this many picks. And when they you, – you talk about this all the time. He gets better – the bigger the stage gets and every successive game in the second half of the season is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think they're going to rely more on the run. He's going to throw less. I just, I can't see that pick thing holding up. Um, so I, I would actually, I'll boot bro leading the league in picks. I'll run with offensive rookie of the year for chase and I'll pass on making the playoffs. Wow. See, I, I think the burrow picks thing is a hard one to pass on or, you know, because I, Here's the thing. He has 11. Look, look around the league. Uh, Sam Darnold also has 11. He won't – I mean, he's not going to keep throwing picks. <laughs> Cam Newton will be. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has 10. Uh, has, still has a bye week to come. Then you're down to Taylor Heineke. Maybe he ends up making a run. He's got nine. Trevor Lawrence, maybe he makes a run. Maybe Zach Wilson comes in and makes a run. He has nine. I mean, that's a long way for ask anybody to go from already three back. I mean, I guess maybe sometimes it takes one bad game, but even if Burrow has a nice second half and a nice run, I you know I don't I don't know it, it, if he has if he throws six or seven picks in the second half, that's a success. You're you're still up seventeen or eighteen interceptions on the season, and you're asking somebody who had nine in the first half to double it up. So that that's a lot to overcome for him to not end up, even if he's better. He'd have to be substantially better at not throwing picks to not lead the league in it. When you look at kind of the setup, I don't think Mahomes is going to keep throwing a bunch of picks. I just I don't I don't think that's going to happen. That said, now Mac Jones has made this run, okay, and the actual the actual odds uh, that that did just come out. We have it. Jamar is plus one ten. Mac Jones plus one twenty, Najee Harris at plus twelve hundred. It's really kind of it's kind of become down to this two man race. I mean, maybe Najee. I don't. I don't, I don't see that happening unless Pittsburgh does something totally miraculous. I mean, Mac Jones. It's it's a quarterback's it's a quarterback's award all the time. The 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 allure of Jamar could wear off if he has kind of an okay second half and ends up with like you know twelve or thirteen hundred yards in the season. But he's not as spectacular as he was in the first half in New England. Does turn this run they have behind Mac Jones into a run into the playoffs or whatever. 
It's tough. You got to do a lot as a receiver to overcome a quarterback. A lot. He's done a lot. No one's done more than him in the first half. But uh, he's got a. He's got a. It's not the slam dunk it looked like it was a few weeks ago for sure. That said, I'm still gonna. I'm with you. I'm still gonna run. I think I'm still gonna run with offense. I, I, but it's really close to me. It's a toss up between those two. But I'm still gonna run with offensive rookie of the year for Chase. Um, and I'm gonna pass on Burrow picks. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna boot playoffs. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good point on Burrow. I just. I, I, just like wa- latching, watching uh, Matt Stafford last night throw bad picks, and now all of a sudden he's up at eight. It's you, you just never know what can happen. And if Zach Wilson looks like he's ready to come back, he's he's thrown a ton. Trevor Lawrence, these rookies, um, I, I just think they're going to keep climbing, and and I think Burrow's going to get better. And I don't know, I I, just, I I can't see him leading the league in picks. If he is, they're definitely going to be booting the playoffs. I can tell you that <laughs> yes. much. Because uh, that's the one thing that has to change. It's, I think it's the differentiator. We look at the second half of the season. You look at this schedule. You look at a million teams at five and four. You know, and we're going to talk about this in a second. We start talking about missing the playoffs, making the playoffs. What's our record going to be? I think this is a debate that's incredibly important. It, the debate better be between Chase winning offensive rookie of the year and Burrow picks better not be in the conversation. That's why they're losing games. Yes. It's what's killing them, whether it's his fault, whether it's receiver's fault, whether it's the coach's fault, whether it's the fan's fault, whether it's the win's fault, whether it's our fault. It doesn't matter. It's why they're losing. And, you know, the, the defense has this, that, and the other. We can talk about everything else. It's a quarterback league. It's about Joe Burrow's development. They're going to go as far as he can take them, and he can't take them where they need to go if he throws too many picks. If he has another half of the season, it looks like this. So... You know, I think that number is one of the most important numbers in the, of anything that we're going to talk about over, you know, this entire podcast. I'll make a prediction right now. He will not have a multi-pick game in the second half of the season. Whoa. What, what do you want on the line for that? I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take, I'll give you odds. I'll give you odds. I will hear, you know what? Uh, let I just let's think about that. We'll think about that going forward. I might have to plot that for something. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Next one from Andrew nine nine six. Who leaves first? Uh, Jesse Bates, Clark Harris, Lou Anarumo. Liked this, Andrew. Uh, very. It made me think about a few different things. 
Uh, I'll go ahead and answer the boot because it's easy because Clark Harris is never leaving. He's going to snap until he's 62, and I'm comfortable with that. And I hope that's the way it ends. There is no other thing that I want or that I would even admit to being other than the truth. Clark Harris is never going to leave the Bengals. He's he's going he's gonna to outlive all of us. He's going to play longer than we all live. He's, he's not human. I love it. The other two are is the hard part. Je- Jesse, I think will. I, I I don't know that it's that hard. I think Jesse is gonna. I think Jesse will resign here and stay here. I think inevitably that will happen. I don't think he leaves. I just I just don't. Lou Anarumo is gonna do what all coordinators do. Leave. There's just mm-hmm. so few coordinators that just like hang out for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's just they turn too fast. Defense less so because offense coordinators that are good get promoted head coaches. Offense coordinators that aren't quite good enough get fired. Defensive coordinators don't always get the promotion, so sometimes you can hold on to a good one for a long time. I, I don't see that being – I mean, that's just – that's a tough – it's a tough position for anybody to stay in for a long time. I think Jesse Bates is going to sign here, so I'm going to run with Jesse um, – I'm going to pass on Lou, and obviously I'm booting the idea that Clark Harris won't be here until the year 2042. Yeah, this is – when I was saying some of them were really creative, some of them were really hard, the reason I like some of these – I didn't think this one was hard. I thought it was a great run past your boo because of, of how interesting it is. But then when you really think about it, you're right. I mean, it's not just good coordinators become head coaches, bad coordinators get fired. It's just coaches in general. They just don't last in – the same place very long Marvin Lewis aside. Um, so I, I do, I, I think he's the easy first here. You could see an Avenue where, you know, just based on Jesse's comments, the, the fact that it was in his head, that he was thinking about it um, more than he should have been in the first half of the season. It, it, it It's clear. It's bothered him that he did not get the extension. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to hold a grudge. And and let this carry over, especially if this team goes to the playoffs this year and kind of opens that window sooner than expected. I, it feels like he he likes it here. He wants to be here. Um, he obviously wants to be paid. I, I think they get it done next year. I don't think he plays on the tag. I, I it may come with a little bit of a holdout, um, but I, I do. I think they get that done. So I'm going to run with Lou, pass on Jesse, and then, yeah, Clark. I mean, it's just the nature of the position. Not only is he the longest tenured Bengal, but it's just those long snappers can last a really long time as long as their skills don't erode. And he is – I had it in the store. I think it's 1,775 consecutive playable long snaps. He's never <laughs> had one that wasn't playable. I mean, how off the rails would it have to go for them to switch – that position, um, he's he's popular in the locker room. He's popular with the fans. Um, I yeah, he's he he might outlast both of us on this beat. It's very possible. I mean, I'm just hoping to get to next week. Uh, <laughs> Clark uh, Clark had told me that his it is his goal to be the oldest player in the NFL. And once Tom Brady ever retires, I think Clark is coming for that. He's coming for that trophy. He's focused. Uh, also, Andrew had a second question that I just want to answer real quick. Uh, he asked, uh, "What was the best of Fifty West uh, sort of seasonal seasonals that they put out at, uh, this time of year? Home sweet home, Christmas cookie, and Rainbow Road. Uh, just if you want an expert's opinion, it goes in that order: run, home sweet home, pass, Christmas cookie, boot, Rainbow Road. Uh, very close between Christmas cookie and home sweet home. My wife would differ on me. She loves Christmas cookie more." 
just so you know, Home Sweet Home and Chris Cookie still uh, are both available. I believe both in cans for a limited time on Home Sweet Home, but you can go down there. I have I had some last week or last Monday. That was my that was my last meal. I always like before a surgery. That was my second <laughs> surgery in my life. Uh, I have what it always makes me realize what my favorite thing is in life uh, to eat. And it was we went down to Fifty West. I had had some beers and uh, ate ate some delicious burgers and and all that stuff. So that's that's where I'm at right now in my life. That's, that's where it is. Um, okay, Kyle Smith asks, "How will the Bengals' regular season end? Miss the playoffs, make the wild card, win the division." This is a tough one, Jay. I have mine written down here with a question above it that was in my head through every one. That question being, how good are the Ravens? Yeah. That's the hard part. I don't know what the hell the Ravens are. I really don't. And it's not just because they took, you know, the weirdo Thursday night loss against the Dolphins. When you just look at them as a whole, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't know that I'm totally buying them, but they're obviously the front runner. Yeah, but. I mean, they just lost Derek Wolf. Now that's six really good defensive players that they're they're going to be without. So that defense is suffering some attrition. I, I thought the the Thursday night loss, even though it was a a bad Miami team, was excusable. It was on the road, the short week. They played ninety nine snaps on the the week before. So there's it's just it's just human nature that you're you're not going to not going to have you're not going to be as up for a team of the Dolphins caliber you're not going to be as physically ready after that huge of a workload on a short week um I still think the Ravens win this division so there's no way I can I can run with Bengals winning the division um it might be recency bias but I'm going to run with miss the playoffs I I just I'm not saying they can't make it but I think it's the most likely of these scenarios. They are on the outside looking in, which means they need to climb over some people. Now they they climb over them by beating them. A lot of the teams in front of them are on the schedule. But I don't know. You, you Some of those games that looked a little more winnable before this weekend, Kansas City, San Francisco, you see what those teams did this weekend and you realize it's going to be a fist fight every game the rest of this season. And, and I don't know... If, if this young team is quite up to it yet. I think they caught some people by surprise early in the year. Teams are catching up to what they're doing. Uh, I'm going to run with missing the playoffs. I'll pass on making it as a wild card, and I'll boot win the division. I have the same. Hmm. Uh, and, and here's the thing. You know, you're just – you're exactly right. And, and you know, what, what did we say? We said, you are going to regret the hell out of blowing mm-hmm. that Jets game yep. because this is what it is. I mean, it, it's going to take, I think you need min 10 wins, minimum 10 wins to win this division. I mean, the Ravens are already have six. Okay. There's a bunch, and the, and the Browns have five. The Ravens play the Browns two times in three weeks, weeks 12 and 14. No buys between there, including the, a Sunday night game. So that's going to be in the mix. I mean, the Ravens, the Ravens are going to, or the Browns, or some, somebody's going to get. I'm not buying the Steelers. Uh, I, I still don't think, and and I don't think that my eyes have recovered from watching the last 15 minutes of Lions 
Steelers as I did <laughs> and realized, like, how do people do this? Uh, and I've and I've covered the Bengals. That's the, that was like it might be the worst ten to fifteen minutes of football I've ever watched. <laughs> where every play, half the players on the field made huge mistakes on both teams, and they just crapped the ball to each other and everybody and gave up a million opportunities, and and then it ended in a tie as it should have. If it should have ended in both teams losing. Is what it should have ended. It's a shame that it ended in the ties. What it is, but so I'm I'm not I'm not buying the Steelers even Big Ben whatever. But the Ravens are going to the Ravens should get the ten wins. I mean, do you think that the Ravens are going to go if they go four and five? I mean, that would be a that mm-hmm. would be a massive disappointment for them if they went four and five. You know, and so are can the Bengals go five and three? I think they with, can. With I don't schedule? think they will. I mean that's a lot. I mean I I I basically put it down where I've been going. I, I I'll give them the credit. I think they're going to grow. I think they're the healthiest, and mm. it plays to their advantage that they are the healthiest. And they ha- and I still think they have the best quarterback in the division. Lamar was standing, and those two things give you hope. But I I think when you put it all together, they're a year away. Just like we knew they were, four and four, finishing at nine and eight. That's what I have. And I have them in some sort of a tie, the breaker that they'll lose to get into the wild card at nine and eight. I, and I think you might need nine and eight. There'll probably be multiple teams for at least the last spot at nine and eight to get in the wild card. Because so, somebody's going to get hot. There's too many teams. I mean, you've got all, everyone is from the second seed Buffalo at six and three. All the way down to the 12 seed Denver at five and five. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to get hot, at least a little bit enough to turn it into a wild card, where you get one or two wild cards run away, and we're all, we're talking about everyone try can get the seventh seed in week 17. The Bengals will be playing a meaningful game. That game at Cleveland will be huge. It might get flexed. I mean, it's it, they're going to be in big games in January, and it's what you asked for. I, I think that's where this ends. It's nine and eight, playing in big games in January. A couple of bounces go one way or the other, and you end up saying, "God, why did we lose to Mike White?" Is 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 how you end up viewing it. Um, so, running with miss, passing with wild card, booting win the division because I think the Ravens are good enough. I still think there's a chance Cleveland could make a run. Every single one of these teams. Here's the crazy thing: is I kept it. And and people have been talking about this a lot. This is not a secret. It's obvious if you watch this league. Find me your your flavor of the week. Find me your team that you think is good. I will show them getting their ass kicked by 30. Mm-hmm. Every single team in this in this conference. And across the league now. Throw the Rams in against San Francisco. Tampa's I mean, na- name me a team that you like. They've all gotten run by somebody who's probably not even that good. It's just what the league is right now. Games are, and I think it's partially when everyone understands how to be aggressive, everyone understands a little bit more of the percentages, you get games that are either really close and stay close or games that teams start taking chances early because they know they have to and they get away from people. And I think you're seeing that. And that's what happens more often. You know, I I think the key to this run, pass, or boot. And coaches say it all the time. Most important game is our next game. That is truly the case. If they go to Vegas and win, 
it totally changes the outlook. They still have all those same games. The schedule doesn't change, but it, it just it feels like that would be huge. First, they would win their first game the week after the bye since 2015. They've been terrible after buys. Uh, it would stop a two-game losing streak. It would it would come against a team that is in the mix for the playoffs. It it would you would the Bengals would be six and four coming home with six of the next seven at home. I, I it just changes everything. The difference between six and four and five and five just feels huge at this point. And I, I do I think if we did this run passer boot next Tuesday, um off of a Bengals win, my, my answers, my order might be different. Yeah. Five, be five of the next six would, would be five right. of the next six. So I think about is. that. You don't see runs like that. Of no. Playing at home. They've hardly been at home this year. It's been forever. I mean, you get outside of the Cleveland game, you had the Cleveland game one, but before that it was green Bay, October 10th. Remember that? Remember <laughs> when we talked about that? <laughs> I mean, it's so you've got a lot of home games, big games in your backyard. I just don't know how much of a difference that makes. They play pretty good on the road. You know, they've had really good games on the road. They've had some not-so-great games on the road. They've had some really good games at home. They've had some not-so-great games at home. I, I, I don't, you know, it's good, better to play at home, obviously, and especially when you get a run of it and you get comfortable. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it's really the be-all, the be end-all. Um, okay. Let's keep it rolling here. We've got, I've got this. Uh, for a quick one, best AFC North head coach, non-Zach Taylor from Andy. I thought that was kind of an interesting one. If, for you, it would be the best for the Bengals. If you were, if you were the, you know, hiring a head coach and, and they said, you don't have Taylor, you can have one of the other three from the division, well, who, what, what, would you do? what would you do? I, I'm going to run with Harbaugh. He's, he's, I love Tomlin, but he's, he's more defensive minded. I think in this, in this game, you need, in this, era of NFL. You need a more offensive-minded guy. Um, I, I would run with Harbaugh. I'd pass on Tomlin. And and I love Stefanski. I think he's going to be a really good coach for a, a long time, but I, he's just he's still too unproven. And, you know, coach of the year last year leads him to the playoffs, and then you see you know, things kind of... I expect him to be a lot better than they are this year. And yes, injuries have been a part of that, but um, you know, and, until... He can have a track record that looks like Harbaugh and Tomlin. I, I can't. I can't pick him. So I'll run Harbaugh past Tomlin and boots Stefanski. I think you have to pick Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. No, that's not true. You don't have to. I think there. It's, it's closer than people think. I, I mean, I don't know how you argue against Tomlin, who's never <laughs> below five hundred <laughs> in all these. Years. I don't know how you argue against that, but I guess I'm going to try. I mean, he's obviously a great coach. I just. You know, I think for what they would need here, I think Harbaugh. I just, I just the the way he gets the most out of what seems like very little. He's great in working with ownership on roster stuff all the time too. I, I, I think Harbaugh is is the best coach in this division. I've thought that for a long time. I would pass on Stefanski because I do think with the the way you're constituted here with Burrow and the offense and the weapons, I'd love to see Stefanski play with mm-hmm. that. I'd, I'd love to see what he would do. And it's a similar type of offense that you're seeing, you know, some of the similar type of stuff you're seeing now with, with, but you get more of the heavy boots and the, your, but all that's whatever. I would like to see it. I'd like to see Joe Burrow and Kevin Svancy get together and see what that looked like too. Uh, my, and I, and I would boot Tomlin, but I did, I think those are, I think they're all very close. Fun question. Just wanted to sneak that one in there. All right, let's just take a quick break. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, this one from Robert Iyer. Rest of the season. What's more? Tyler Boyd TDs. Jesse Bates picks. Evan McPherson missed field goals. Uh, Let's bring those stats up to date for people that are wondering about, well, what's that look like now? Evan McPherson has missed three field goals. Boyd has two touchdowns. Jesse Bates has one interception. Um, I, I am running with Evan McPherson missed field goals. I'm going to it's the, the weather's going to get worse. There's just going to be some that are going to be tough. There I mean I just I just feel like it's just harder. You always miss more later in the year. So, I'm I'm going to say Evan McPherson misses four field goals in the second half of this season. Uh I'm going to pass on Tyler Boyd touchdowns. I think he's going to get three more, end up the year with five. Totally makes sense. You know, I, I do think he's going to get used more in the second half. We'll talk about that. We're going to pile on that in a second here. And I have Bates, of course, getting two more interceptions to have three yet again. I mean, he's had three every season of his career. Why would I not just do that again? <laughs> so I'm, I'm bad. that's my uh, run pass boot on that. Yeah, I, I, I have the same order. And what you said about the weather, I think, works toward both the McPherson thing and the Boyd thing, because I, I don't think you're, you're going to see them be as explosive. I think you're going to see them rely on the run a little more. They have not had explosive runs. They've been really efficient in the run game, which means, you know, longer drives where you, you work your way down the field into the red zone. And I, I just think that's really in that shrunken field. That's T Higgins is a huge target. Um, that that's key in the red zone, but just the way that, that Tyler Boyd can, can work the defense out of the slot. I, I think he's, I think he's likely to, to to see more targets and specifically get more catches and more touchdowns. But the 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 rookie part, these like we said, this game is these games are going to be huge. And Evan McPherson hasn't shown any signs of of nerves. But you you don't you never know how a rookie's gonna react when when the games get really really big and he's he yes he's had two game winners this year but he's never had any before in his life um if an if an entire team's playoff hopes are on the line of his right leg 
does he come through? Then weather aside, it, there could be some really bad weather games. So I, I just I, this one, I'm I'm right with you. Run with McPherson, miss field goals, pass on Boyd TDs, and and boot Jesse picks. But a good question that you could go a lot of different ways there. Um, mm-hmm. All right, from our good friend uh, Paul Malloy in London, uh, he had one of what is more likely to happen: Jamar Chase gets fourteen fifty, gets one thousand four hundred fifty yards. T Higgins gets one thousand and fifty yards. Tyler Boyd gets to a thousand yards. I'm going to update the current paces for these guys. Uh, Jamar Chase is on pace for 1,577 yards. T. Higgins, technically, he's on a different pace technically than I would give him. I have him on a pace for 924. I'm going on his per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed a couple of games. So if you go by per game in the second half of the season, he he's on technically on pace for 924 if he stays healthy. Tyler Boyd on pace for 772. So you can just go off basic numbers and say, okay, what's most likely to happen um, and and do that. I, I kind of am, um, but I think there's a good discussion to be had about what this looks like over the second half of the season. What do you have, Jay? Yeah, I was the same way where if, if you just go by the math, then it's, it's Chase easily. But I don't know. I just – I think we've seen – I don't think Chase can be much better than he's been in the first half of the season. I think Higgins can be a lot better than what we've seen. And I think he will be. I think he's going to get back to what he looked like last year. And, you know, even though it goes against the math, I'm going to run with with Higgins getting to his number. I'll pass on Chase getting to his. And, and I'll boot Boyd. He's just – he's too far behind. He – I mean, 772 to get up in the thousand range. That's, that's a long way to go. And even though I do think they're going to go, they're going to target him more in the second half. It's just too much to overcome. There's, there's just too much quality skill position guys on this offense when you throw Mixon in there too. Um, I just, I can't, can't see Boyd being the one most likely to, to get to that, to, to the numbers Paul laid out. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to average 75 yards a game to get up there and that and that he's had stretches like that but they've usually come when another guy has been injured mm-hmm. and they've had to feature him a lot more play him more outside and you know i i think it's to his detriment for both but i don't see joe burrow not leaning on chase less i feel like he is so confident and feels so the most comfortable in that and and i know i belabored this point the last couple of weeks but um, I, I don't see him suddenly being like, you know, you're right. I got to back off Chase and start throwing to the other guys more, particularly Boyd. I think that is the right move because I think that make it makes Chase a less is more situation where you're hitting him in more explosive spots that are more obvious in your special one-on-ones and not, you know, not just working him because you feel like you need, you're just going to throw it to him when there's nowhere else to go. Uh but for that, so but I still I, I'm running with Chase because I think he's going to get a he's still going to put up numbers and he's he's on a pace for 1577. I mean, he's 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 going to put up a big season. So I'm going to run with that. I'm going to pass on Higgins. And I'm going to boot Boyd. Uh, I think I, I still think featuring Tyler Boyd as the chain moving beast that he is 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 the is such a key to their offensive success. He's so much more reliable and dependable. 
um, than the other two. And the other two are more explosive and, and they're great, but they're young. And, and they make some, they make some bad mistakes you li- you're living with right now. And that's okay. That's part of like when you say, oh, a team's going to grow and the window is opening. It's because these guys are still making some of their young mistakes and they're going to make less of them. Tyler Boyd is as reliable of a piece as you'll find in a passing game in this league and, and featuring him more is going to help you be a more efficient chain mover and let those guys give you the, the explosives on the outside still, and that's fine. But you know, shift 10% of your offense to focusing on chain moving and utilizing Boyd and less on throwing bombs to Chase and trying to get him into special situations. And I think I think you end up a more efficient offense and one that makes a few more less mistakes that can cost you. And uh, but that's my opinion. I don't necessarily think it's gonna go that way, but that's my run passer boot on that. Yeah. I I, uh, I see where you're coming from on all those and I I would love to see Tyler Boyd get get more involved, but I just can't see him getting to a thousand fifty yards. And there's games where he has. The weird thing is, like you know, you have games where he three games where he's had over a thirty percent target share, and then you have three games where he's less than ten percent target share. Mm. Those can't exist. That's the problem for me is the inconsistency of it, where he just totally disappears off the map. And those 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 cannot exist. I understand matchups. I understand game to game. You you, you can have it once, maybe. You can have three games. I think it's three out of the last four or whatever it is where he's been so low in his targets. I mean, you just, mm-hmm. you can't really have stretches like that unless teams are absolutely bringing brackets down into the slot and they just aren't. So um, for me, that's my Tyler Boyd soapbox. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, let's bring in Mo. Uh, good friend, Mo Egger. We're going to get into a few run passer boots that we thought fit him particularly nice. Uh, so it, it's Mo time. You hate Greenville. You hate ECU. It's so <laughs> evident. Every time you ever talk about East Carolina, it's with such disdain. There is nothing but to give me one redeeming quality. <laughs> All right, now time to bring in our good friend Mo Egger, as always, from ESPN fifteen thirty into the show. And you know, it's it's the theme of the day. We're doing the all run passer boot episode today. And uh Mo, that, that doesn't mean you're gonna get out of having to talk about your <laughs> tweets totally. <laughs> But we're giving you a no, little bit of a reprieve so you can play the game with us. Oh, I thought with no game, I had uh, I got a pass this week. Uh, by a little, for me. A little bit. Or it's or we've made it exponentially worse. I'm not sure how it's going to play out, <laughs> as always. Every time I come out of our segment and I say, well, I didn't know that that was what this was going to be. <laughs> Which is weird for someone who's plotting the segment. Exactly. <laughs> That's the beauty uh, of it. We do, we do still have... Uh, we do still have Jay counting up your tweets. We did still keep uh, a log of you for record keeping. Uh, what would you have, Jay? Did the bye week slow us down? Uh, a little bit. Um, we, we recorded on Monday last week, so I, I didn't do the typical post show to morning of the current show. I did all day Tuesday the 9th through all day Monday the 15th, and Mo had 98 tweets, which was pretty strong for a Bengals bye week. <laughs> it was much more productive than I was on the bye week. Congratulations to you. Productive is one word you can use, yes. <laughs> uh, so that's an average. And I would say that's a little bit of a below average, though, on the whole week, considering what we've mm-hmm. been seeing. If we take a, maybe a rolling average of the last four, maybe that's what we'll start having as our number. <laughs> you can keep track of your own trends. Um, what we're going to do, you're gonna, we're going to play Run Passer Boot with you. Uh, i got a couple good ones here. Right. And, you know, but we should start off because – 
look, it is, we can't let you totally get away with not talking about your own tweets. Saying okay. that I, I do, I do have one tweet that we are going to bring in. I am going to make you uh, discuss. We'll get to that. Let's, let's start with the serious one first. This one I think is a good one for all of us. And with you included here, Mo, uh, from Ryan Townsend, run passer boot, most likely to win a title in the next five years. Bengals, Reds, UC football. I think we should do this and talk it out, and then I have maybe an amendment that could change it. But I, I'll let you. I'll let you start, Mo. I the the run is easy for me. It's the Bengals because they they have at least we think they have the most important piece, um, which is a quarterback. There's no committee that's going to invite them to the postseason. The playoffs have been expanded, which can work both in their favor and against them. Um, it's a salary capped league. They have a quarterback under a rookie contract. Tom Brady's out of the AFC. Uh, it, it appears that at least for the next couple of years, the, the conference could be pretty wide open. The division seems to be shifting a little bit. Ben Roethlisberger is on his way out. I think the Steelers are going to go through a transition period. Uh, I think they're going to have a chance to win the division every single year. They have a chance to win the division this year. If you win the division, you're going to get a home game in the postseason. That's a good jumping off point. Um, I, I start there. Again, they have the most important piece in place. Um Pass and boot is is a little tough because my first inclination was to say UC football, but look, the, the system, it's hard. There's 130 FBS uh, teams, all of whom think or want to win the national championship. And then you whittle that down to maybe 20 to 25 teams that can win. What we don't know is if and when the college football playoff is going to expand. We don't specifically know when UC is going to move into the Big 12. There's always the possibility that the head coach is going to leave. I don't think, frankly, that's going to happen. Um, and look, even if you, okay, so he's moved up to a bigger and better conference and prioritized ball and Luke Fickle stays and the recruiting keeps being awesome, you still have to get over these behemoths like Alabama and Ohio State and these just juggernaut huge name brand programs that uh, everybody in the country that has everything that UC wants or is trying to get that they've had a hard time toppling. So I've kind of gone back and forth with that, but the kicker for me is I don't know what the reds are doing and I don't know when this next rebuild is going to end. Um, you can take some degree of maybe solace isn't the right word, but we, we might have a new economic structure in that sport, which perhaps uh, lends itself to smaller market teams being able to compete better. But I mean, they, they just gave away players. They're going to give away more players this offseason. The last time they made us sit through a rebuild, it took five years. Uh, I do think their farm system is in a better place. But but I, I, I just I don't trust the people who run that club to build a championship club. And even if they build a really good team, there's such randomness to the baseball offseason that if they won 100 games, you know, we saw it this year in the National League. Two teams won 100 games. The team that won 88 won the NL and won the World Series. That's a really hard championship to win. We don't know if they're going to expand the postseason. There's a lot that we don't know. Hell, we don't know when the season's going to start next year. So over the next five years, the unknowns just outweigh the knowns for that team. So I don't know how you could say that in the next five years, they're going to win a championship. So ultimately, after kind of going back and forth, I uh, I booted the Reds. I passed on UC. Um, you know, again, for this year, they're having an excellent season. And as we sit here today, if uh, the college football playoff teams were picked this morning, they would be on the outside looking in that 
illustrates for you the hurdles they have to climb. And those hurdles become uh, a little easier to, to, to clear once they're in the Big 12. But odds are next year they won't be in the Big 12. So, okay, you kind of cross off next year. And chances are next year's team isn't going to be quite as good. And then so you're really looking at the next four years after that. Are there going to be growing pains going into the Big 12? Probably a little, although I don't think that league is great by any stretch. Um, and so, you know, I mean, what's the quarterback situation without Desmond Ritter moving forward? And at the end of the day, your championship bona fides aren't determined solely by how many games you win or lose, but they're determined by other people. The NFL, you don't have that. So I'm going to run with the Bengals. I'm going to pass on UC football uh, and I'm going to boot the Cincinnati Reds. I would, uh, I would agree with you on Bengals. I would flip the other two. I, I think UC is so close right now. This isn't an indictment on UC. You said it. It's, it's not in their hands. The, mm-hmm. the Reds control their own fate, whether they're, they're doing it appropriately or not. You can debate, but uh, it feels like in baseball, teams go worse to first more often than, than other sports. You could see, I don't want to say they would luck into it, but you could see them kind of just, catching lightning in a bottle one of these seasons with a bunch of young talent and really taking off and that that could happen um it's just with the committee it, it, it's such a hurdle just to get into the playoff and then if you are i mean you know does anybody think if if they got in this year that and and they were four and Georgia was one, it would look anything like last year's bowl game. I, I don't. I think Georgia would just run them out of the stadium this year. Georgia's that much better. Right. So yeah, maybe when if they get to the 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 Big Twelve in that five year period, if Luke stays or they the next coach, they're they are gonna get a quality coach, I feel, with what everything they've built there going to the Big Twelve, it's it's a legitimate not that they haven't been a legitimate program, but it's it's an attractive yeah. job for guys. You're not going to be looking. You're not going to be looking for coaches. It's their first coaching job, or they're they're coming up. You're, you're going to be able to get an established guy from maybe another group of five team on, on the lower end. And I just, I think UC can do it. If if I was betting, I think the odds would be so long that the value pick would be that UC. But just in terms of just straight data, uh, I would run with Bengals, pass on Reds, and boot UC. I mean, that's kind of the thing here about is we spend all this time talking about it and barely any talking about the Bengals because it's the slam dunk. And yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you're happy that you, we just spent uh, you know 10 minutes talking about uh, the Reds and UC football because who would have thought? Right. I mean, and, and who would have thought they'd put themselves in this position? The, really, the question here is, though, is what is the, the percentage chance that any of these three, three things <laughs> right. happen? Yeah. So, so slim. That's where you have to run, I think, in, in a lot of ways, with the one that is what's the highest percentage? It's the one that might happen in the next couple of months. Yes. I mean, and I'm not necessarily putting UC football over the Bengals because I do think five years with a prime young Burrow is is still stronger than 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 anything that we have going on in the city, um, and 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 that that matters. But do you, I think it's UC football could get it in the next. If you put them in a tournament of four. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to win two games, and that's why I said I, I an amendment I might make to this that might change it for you guys. What if we just made it to playing in the title game in the next five years, playing in the World Series, playing in the Super Bowl, playing in the national championship game? UC just has to win one game. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, does that change it for you? No, uh, no. First of all, it does for me. Yeah, it. You know, if, to, to just get to a Super Bowl, they have to win three playoff games. 
Uh, and for UC, they would have to get to the postseason and then win a game on a neutral field in which they're underdogs. The Bengals won't be two touchdown underdogs in any postseason game. The, the Bearcats will. I mean, you don't think UC – I mean, if UC lined up against Ohio State or Oregon or whatever, whoever yeah. ends up in, in some sort of a uh, matchup, I mean, or I guess we're all under the assumption it ended up being Georgia, but let's just whatever – I yeah. mean, you really think they have no chance? I mean, they're in the tournament. Yes. And we're talking about things that are so unlikely to happen over the next five years just because of how hard we all just talk about how hard it is to even get there. The idea of getting yourself in the tournament is ha- is more than half the battle for talking about something like this. Yeah, I think they would have a chance to win a game and get to the to put to the postseason. But, you know, again, I mean, to to make the college football playoff we're in the league that UC is in right now, they have to be perfect. They have to win every game to get there. And I think you're being fair if you look at this year's team and wonder if they can still do that. They're going to play, you know, two pretty good teams between now and the end of the season. And that ECU game, I've said it all year long, scares me to death because their quarterback is pretty good. And if they go in there 11 and 0, people in Greenville will actually care. Um, and and if you're in the Big you 12, you hate Greenville. You hate oh. ECU. It's so <laughs> evident. Every time you ever talk about East Carolina, it's with such disdain. There is nothing but to, <laughs> give me one redeeming quality. I mean, it's every Carolinas, you're close to Outer Banks the, and stuff. The, it's all right. The colors Carolina's that, that they wear to the just dumpy facilities <laughs> they have to the forgettable teams. It's just, but that game does worry me. Um, but, you know, to get to the NFL playoffs, you don't have to be perfect. You've got to be okay, right? Especially now they've watered it down. So to to get to a point where you are in a position to win a national championship, you have to be elite. Even if you're in the Big 12 and now there's a little bit more leeway, you're still going to have to go 12 and 1. That's really hard to do. I mean, I think this whole discussion about winning a national championship has kind of made people lose sight of the fact that it's, it's really hard to have the sort of seasons that these schools have to have. You could lose two games and you are out. You could sometimes lose one game and you are out. Last year, Cincinnati lost zero games and they were out. The system doesn't work that way in the NFL. So first of all, you have to be great during the regular season and really lucky as well. Then you get there and, you know, you've got to win a game. Um, Chances are you're going to be underdog. And I would give them a chance against almost anybody in a given year, especially if they're there. The committee has to select you. So you're up to people to look at your resume and go, yeah, you're in or you're not. The NFL doesn't have that. Uh, And then, yes, you only have to win one game. But look at the programs that they would be stacked up against. You know, again, we're talking about the usual suspects because this the college football playoff is dominated by a handful of schools. It's it's why it's why I get so excited about it happening because it is so improbable. Whereas you can you can you can convince me the Cincinnati Bengals are going to play in the Super Bowl in the next five years. That doesn't sound that far fetched. UC is four games away as we sit here right now, four games away from playing for a national title, and it still seems to me so remote of a possibility that uh, I I can't even like wrap my brain around it. The Bengals, I could wrap my brain around them playing in a Super Bowl. That's, that's saying something. <laughs> the reason it would change for me is, and thanks to It's K-Duff for submitting this one because it's, it's, it's been a, a really good debate, but I, I don't think it's out of the question that UC could get to number three. And, mm-hmm. and if they're in a 3-2 game, I think they could win and get to a championship game. I just don't think if they're the four playing Georgia, they have any shot to win that game. 
but yeah. you could see you could see carnage happening these last few weeks and and it's it's Ohio State 2 UC3 undefeated and then they're kind of holding their nose over a two loss Alabama or a a one loss Oklahoma State I just I could see something happening that gets UC to the 3 We might I have would... to do an an emergency pod if they even get to the playoffs because <laughs> my tweets will be very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> there is no doubt. Uh, let's quick, let's go through two more real quick. One, we always have something a little more lighthearted, and I really, and I, and I liked this one. I, I don't know why it spoke to me that said, I need to make sure Mo's here when we do this one. Um, mm. This one from Nick Shanner, um, who says, uh, what are best holiday traditions? Thanksgiving traditions, Christmas traditions, or the New Year's, New Year's Eve traditions? Um. You know where I'll be spending Thanksgiving this year? Uh, at a table in front of a bunch of food. Greenville, North Carolina. <laughs> oh, no. That's why you hate it. Yeah. Is, I that, a Friday? Thanks- is that a Friday game? They play for, but this is, I believe, between football and basketball, this will be the eighth straight Thanksgiving I'm not home for. I was home um. last year because obviously we didn't travel, but uh, two years ago it was Memphis. The and Tommy Tuberville's last year it was Tulsa. They they always play on the road the Friday after Thanksgiving. So, uh, so your traditions kind of stink. But as a whole, I mean, you've yeah. been to a Thanksgiving before. Do you, yeah, do you still so, the uh, idea I, of a good Thanksgiving is it still stronger than the others? Uh, Christmas is what I'm running with here. I <clears throat> I love anybody who says they hate Christmas. What are we doing? <laughs> who hates it? And you might not love it as much as everybody else. And yes, there's some built-in hassles, but. When I think of Christmas, number one, now that you know I have a, a small child, it, we mm-hmm. we put our tree up this weekend. Which what are we doing? But she's already so excited, and so that to me, you know, I never had this up until five years ago. But her anticipation and her excitement for it is the best. But then, like, I love Christmas parties, and I love so. There's a few things I do. One is some buddies of mine and I we have what we call the year in review where we meet at an establishment and we talk about the year. And then after those three minutes are up, we, and you have to make a resolution. (laughs) And uh, it's just, to me, I associate Christmas with that. My family has a pretty kicking Christmas party. One of my absolute favorite things to do is uh, watch. This is going to sound really stupid. I like to watch midnight mass on TV and have a bourbon and just sort of, all right, that's my time. Right. And so I, I feel like I've at least honored the spirit of the season. So I'm going Christmas number one. I don't mind holiday shopping um, and I like getting gifts. So I'm going Christmas number one, Thanksgiving, or I guess Christmas I would run with um, pass. I'll go Thanksgiving largely because my Thanksgivings in recent years haven't existed. Um, I love eating and I love watching football and eating. I don't know that there's many traditions that I associate Thanksgiving with. People will talk about the night before Thanksgiving. I've gone out the night before Thanksgiving. I've never in my life drank with somebody I went to high school with. I think that's the most overrated trope. But, you know, posting up on Thanksgiving, and to to me, uh, in recent years, Thanksgiving has become less of a holiday because stores are open and people go shopping, and that's not happening as much this year, which I I just, I I think stores should close on Thanksgiving, and, and people, workers should be allowed to spend the day with their families. But I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving food. Um. New Year's Eve, eh, uh, eh, eh. I, uh, as I, as much as I love hanging out and going out, New Year's Eve isn't my jam. So, I, I can't really think of the last like, awesome New Year's Eve that I experienced. Um, 
So I'm running with Christmas. I'm passing on Thanksgiving and I'm booting New Year's. I don't dislike New Year's Eve, but it doesn't, I don't look for it with the same anticipation. And there's no like one tradition that, that I, I have. Yeah. It, it never lives up to expectations. The only yeah. tradition is the 10 second countdown and the kiss at midnight for people that are lucky enough to you have someone kissed? to kiss. And yeah, well, I've been married for 26 years. I mean, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Thanksgiving is close to overtaking Christmas for me just because, you know, my kids are grown, so it doesn't have that same appeal, but traditions are about memories and those memories are always going to be there about how excited my kids were at Christmas time. And I I think that's going to endure. And then, you know, my kids are 25 and 21. There's probably grandkids right around the corner and then you kind of get to do it all over again. So I'm going to go the same order as you. I'll run with Christmas. I'll pass on Thanksgiving. And I'll boot New Year's Eve. It's just every year. It's like, what are we going to do? Yeah. It never lives up to the expectations. It's so. I mean, I have a hard time even making it to midnight anymore. So yeah, boot boot that right out of here. I mean, New Year's. I don't even really really understand what's even happening in New Year's and how this ever became a thing. Where the idea, <laughs> what the biggest part of it is, like, hey, do millions of you want to go shove yourself into one of the a square in New York City and I've not be able before. to go to the bathroom? You've done that. My first. What a wife terrible and I, idea. It was Who awful. thought my, this would be good? My first wife and I did it going into the millennium, 99 to 2000. Because, yeah, I mean, this is the sort of thing you do when you're 21, 22 years old. We were sitting at Waffle House one day, which there you go. And we're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to go there for the millennium? And the next thing I knew, we had airline tickets and we were flying there. Oh, we were that is not, there. it was a terrible idea. It was dreadful. There's it, nothing good about it. And I, look, I, I can even, I can even for a moment in my life appreciate a good crowd. Like no. I, I can appreciate a good cra- that is not a good crowd experience. No. There's nothing about it that is that is at all redeeming. So the idea of it being in a conversation and New Year's fine. Like the best part about New Year's is sitting at your house and watching whatever show is on and making fun of it and having a couple too many drinks and falling asleep before midnight or you know <laughs> the joke of will I even be awake? Right. A, a good New Year's party like even that will ne- could never ever live up to anything that Thanksgiving and Christmas would offer you ever unless the you're only, pretty soulless and that's possible. But the <laughs> only thing that would uh, boost Christmas even higher would be if we were in the era of the fun workplace Christmas party, which I've kind of missed out on. (laughs) And where I work, all I hear are the stories of how awesome the Christmas party used to be. And I look at what it is now and I go, this, I wish I was older. But All right. yeah, I'm, I'm going Christmas. We, we really, really, really quickly have to. I have to let you talk about a tweet, <laughs> but we got to, we got to, we got to be tight on this. Okay, okay. Uh, J- Jay, do you have the tweet? Because we can't let you just get away without a tweet that I think you sent out basically just for us to use in case. We need to <laughs> yes, and Mo sent this out Monday morning, and it, it reads: My list of football pet peeves includes run plays on second and ten, timeouts used on defense, the shovel pass. Punts in plus territory, being shushed when my team is on offense, and not going for two when you're down one in the final minute. It does not include games ending in a tie. So, so I can, said, I, can, I, can we can we ask you ahead. to do like a kind yeah. of like a almost a the the turducken John John Madden used to do like that turducken thing on yeah. Thanksgiving. We put like you just kind of had like what some reason it had eight legs and that was like his funny <laughs> gag that he do every year. This is sort mm-hmm. of like that for run passer brood. It's like like a run one. Just you know what? Let's just call it what it is. One through six. Can you rank it one through six for me? 
Yeah, sure. So really quick, the reason this came up is somebody was complaining about ties in the NFL because of Steelers and Lions, and I don't mind ties. They, they're, they're quirky enough. They, they happen infrequently enough, although the last 10 years we've had an increase in them in, in large part because of the Bengals. But uh, but they don't bother. I just think they're they're fun and weird and different, and people never know how to react to them, and they give sports talk radio people like me layup topics. So I, I don't I certainly don't root for ties, but when they happen, I'm not as bothered by them as a lot of other people are. So I was making the point that I have a list of football pet peeves. Ties are not on them. So I'll see if I can rank these for you. One through, in fact, I'll go, I'll go six through one. I'll start at the bottom. Uh, I will go the shovel pass because I saw a shovel pass work on Sunday. Jacksonville used one to uh, get a two point conversion against Indianapolis. That brings the total of shovel passes that have worked in the history of professional football to 20. It never works. It, it's it's disastrous. It it just every time I see one, it feels like we're on the verge of calamity. The Bengals back in the day with Carson Palmer called like four <laughs> shovel passes a game. Bob Brakowski loved the shovel pass. I do not know why. I do not know why any team would ever call that play. I know the Chiefs have made it work a couple of times. Go through your mental Rolodex of all the shovel passes you've seen. How many of them have worked? Almost none. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go that six. Uh, I'm going to go punts and plus territory five in large part because we're not seeing as many anymore. Right. Uh, but there's nothing dumber to me than it's it's fourth and two. And uh, you're at the other team's thirty nine. And here comes the punter. What do we go for it? What are we doing? There's nothing worse that if I was the, the, the czar of the NFL, we would get rid of you are not allowed to punt once you cross midfield at the 50 year end. You can't punt, um, but we don't see it as much anymore. So it ranks a little bit lower on the list for me. Um, run plays on second and 10 big pet peeve of mine. I hate it. It just, to me, it's lazy. I, I just, I always envision like the coach looking at his sheet going, nah, uh, just draw play, hand it off second and 10. Let's, let's get the 39. We'll call a 39 play. here. Like I just, and I know sometimes they work and I know sometimes, well, it sets up uh, third and three and that's makeable. And I even saw that the Bearcats on Friday night, they called a draw play on third and 20. They got 18 yards then they went forward on fourth down, but a run play on second and 10 to me just signifies you're, you're just sort of giving up as a coach. Uh, so that would be, I guess that would be number four uh, timeouts used on defense. I mean, the, the the addendum to this is the pet peeve when you're sitting with somebody and your team uses a timeout on defense, invariably that person or you have to say to the other, boy, I bet you that's going to come back and cost them later because <laughs> it usually does. A timeout used on defense is only really used when you don't have enough guys on the field. Uh, and I was watching this again, Indianapolis and Jacksonville. I think it was on that shovel pass on a two point conversion. They didn't have enough guys out there. Usually when a timeout is used on defense, it's one thing if it's like last minute of the game and we've got a timeout and if we get a stop here, the game's over. But if there's like six minutes and 47 seconds left in the third quarter and we're randomly using a timeout because we don't like the look work, what are we doing? Or you don't have enough guys on the field. And I don't think you should be allowed to call a timeout if you don't have enough guys on the field. You should have to pay for that, right? That should, that You should have to pay the price for that. There should be a rule that says... Uh, all right. As soon as the referee like lifts his hand or something, play's got to happen. And if you have ten guys out there, well, guess what? It's your fault. You suck. You don't get to call a timeout, <laughs> and it gives coaches a chance to use timeouts when it matters, which is when a team is on offense. So that is, I think that's that's number three. Or I've I've kind of lost count here. Mm -hmm. Not yep, going for two down one in the final minute. This drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, Hail Mary game. I think 2014 Bengals and Ravens. 
Uh, AJ catches the pass. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Go for two. Go for two. Don't give him the ball back. Don't put yourself at the mercy of the coin flip. I got yelled at. I got mocked. I got laughed at. I was told I was stupid. Guess what? They kicked the PAT. Baltimore got the ball scored. I know overtime has changed since then where uh, a team gets a possession. If uh, the other team doesn't score a touchdown first, uh, go for two, win it on offense. Don't put yourself at the mercy of the coin flip, especially on the road. Number one for me, if I'm in a game, and uh, let's say it's a Bengals game and they're on offense. And in the uh, voice that I'm using right now, I say to the person next to me, Hey, after this drive, I'm going to go get a beer. What the Bengals are doing on the field is not going to be affected by that. Even if I screamed it, what the Bengals are doing on the field is not going to be affected by that. But I can't tell you the number of times that like, it's a key situation and the quarterback is shushing the crowd. And I don't have a problem with him doing that as a general rule. He's telling everybody stop yelling. But I can't tell you how many times I have said just like, uh, boy, you know, throw to AJ here <laughs> or like, hey, uh, I got to go to the can. Can I get you anything? What you We've got- Dude, stop. OK, things aren't going to go awry on the field j- just because I said in a, in a normal voice that I have to go to the bathroom. That to me is the absolute worst because you are you are sort of putting uh, us in a position where you think we have actually something to do and you are taking the whole 12th man fans help out the home team thing way, way, way too far. I will say this as someone who as a loud voice and people listen to this podcast for a long time, understand that sometimes I will talk and they try to quickly go to turn me down because I've woken up toddlers in the back on a vacation or something. But I, I, I have been shushed a lot in my life and mm-hmm. that is, to me, is the lowest is, is is the lowest thing you can do to me. It is the biggest insult. You can call me any name in the book. I've heard them. I deserve probably some of them. But right. don't shush me. Just don't, don't shush don't me. Don't shush me if you're a total stranger. Yes. I mean, it's, it's one thing. If my wife shushes me, which has happened, okay, don't love it, but it's part of the deal. I signed up for this. But if like rando dude two rows behind me and like a Rudy Johnson jersey now is going to start shushing me, we're not doing that, right? And again- <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to screw up the snap count because me and my seat hundreds of yards away from the action is like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get a pretzel after this. But that's that's not going to happen. You are you are putting ourselves in a position where you feel like we have a bigger role in what happens than we actually have. This has been very educational half hour of my life. <laughs> I got to say, mm-hmm. I hope it is for others that are listening. I've enjoyed this. I have too. I have too. Very fun. Again, I started by saying it and I ended feeling pretty vindicated. I never know where this is going to go. <laughs> I never quite know where we're going to end up. And that's the best part. Mo, it's been a pleasure as always. I look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, guys. Thank you. All right, Jay. Big exhale. Okay. Maybe some we, more shovel passes for Tyler Boyd. No. <laughs> Take those out of the playbook. Take those out of the playbook or you're going to hear about it on Monday from Twin Peaks with Tony Pike. That's it. Uh, uh, all right. I have some non-Bengals ones to wrap us up and we'll get out of here. Okay. That, cause all we appreciate, right. I appreciate all the Bengals ones. Good. We covered a lot of ground there, obviously. Uh, let's have a little bit of fun. And, and you guys asked for these. Just want to mind you that. So if, we're, if you're like wondering why we're talking about Survivor, it's because you're asking us. All right. Okay. Uh, some non, a few non-Bengals and we'll wrap it. Uh, this from our good friend Stan. Uh, Stan says, uh, where will Shan be finishing? What will her finishing position on Survivor be? Now, you people who listened to the end a few weeks ago know my feelings on this. Uh, it is, they've only gotten stronger. Uh, his says it will be one through three, four through seven, or eight through ten. 
Go ahead, Jay. I'm running with eight through 10. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she's about gone. Uh, her act is getting thin and or her act is wearing thin and playing too many sides. I just not, I don't, I don't think she's playing the long game. Um, and then just going with natural progression, I'll, I'll pass on four through seven and I'll boot one through three. There's, there's no way she's in the final tribal council. Here's, I have two, I have two thoughts on that. One the moment you start telling multiple people what to do or are perceived as telling multiple people what to do, you will be gone. Yep. That is, it happens every time. It's the same thing as no good deed goes unpunished. Like you will get the, the person who does the nice thing at the early part of the episode is always going to get eliminated. Like that, that's another rule there. The moment you hear all bunch of people saying, she's telling me what to do. I don't like it. It's over. It's over very soon for you. Unless the only way is if they suddenly view her she, as some sort of goat they can carry that they know they yeah. could beat in the final. Which is why I'm running with 8 to 10 because I do think more than likely they eliminate her. I am going to pass on that in the 1 through 3 because I'm going to say there's a chance that people just tolerate it and say let's let her make all the enemies and be my shield and then I'll either slit her throat or beat her at the end. And And she's getting this edit, Jay. It's the heavy edit that makes me think, are they at, they're editing her like she's going to be around. They've been doing it since the beginning when it's like, why do we care so much about the relationship between Chan and Ricard and the stupid whistle? Why, do we, why are we focusing so much of our attention on that? It made me think, maybe there's a reason. So I'm going to boot four to seven. There we go. Survivor Talk ends. Thank you for <laughs> listening. Uh, c- come back for more takes uh, on Thursday. Um, Brian Aubrey asks, what is the best way to deal with a screaming toddler? Binky, pick up and walk. Just give him the damn candy. All right, I've, I I think this one's I for me personally, obviously running with pick up and walk. I'm a big pick up and walk. Recenter the attention. Find somewhere else. Talk in their ear. Hugs. You know, I, I have we have a bunch of bobbleheads on a high shelf. I always go to the bobbleheads. I start bobbling the heads. She bobble. She'll bobble the heads. Just, just I don't care. And I, I do it with my oldest too, which it makes no sense that she would even care about this because she has a million toys to play with. Just to refocus, think about something this has brought you to a happy place before, and it, and it works. But I think pick up and walk. I'll pass. Shove the binky in. I don't like to do it. I don't like to just. Get, but if they if we're I'm reaching the age where there's no more binkies. Uh, my my youngest is is going to be gone with that soon. But for now. It can work, but not really. We it's that's it's almost a non-starter. I just have to boot give him the damn candy. I mean, sometimes yeah. you do it, some some, mm, mm, but I I try to. I feel like then I'm just setting myself up for more terrible situations in the future. If you draw a line, you just got to stand on the side of the line and and you know regret it to yourself for the next twenty minutes. Yeah, there's something to pick in your battle. Sometimes you do just cave and 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 do and give them the candy or whatever it is they're screaming for. Um, neither of my kids ever once used a binky. My wife was wow. just vehemently opposed to them. We just we never owned one. We never we never used them. We'd actually be somewhere, and my daughter found one of a, another kid's. Had no idea what it was. Um, the there's a twist on the pick up and walk. <laughs> My wife was great with this. It was the walk. It was just leave them. She, she, we'd be in a store and the, the, <laughs> my daughter would throw a fit and she'd just walk away from her. And then she's freaking out because she's on the floor screaming alone. Like, where's my mom? I mean, she wasn't so far away where you didn't have eye contact, but it was just walk away. 
Um, so either walk away without them or pick them up and walk. That's, that's the way to do it. Calm them down. Um, another great trick was, um, my wife would, and I both would, would tell them if they got that whiny, cryy voice, you know, I want that. It's like, I, I can't understand when you, when you whine, it just doesn't register in my mind what you're saying. I can't hear that. I need your normal voice. And somehow that worked. They, they bought it and they would calm down and ask in a normal voice. So th- those, those would be my choices. I'm trying to envision your wife walking away from a crying child inside of like a target or something. <laughs> and then the other, the like the non-parents, you know, start talking trash or saying something. And then just yeah. like something, and then just, the next thing you know, there's an incident at target, <laughs> you know, and the Hamilton target is lit. That's what I, that's, that's the second part of this that I'm envisioning too, that I'd like to see. And then the, the ones that are parents are like, Hey, that worked. That's well, a good that's idea. A pretty good idea. Oh, there's ne- no um, judgment. And it does. The one thing that blew my mind, I tell people before they have kids for the first time that, that I still am amazed to this day is you, that you're unaware. I was totally unaware of this as a, as a, just a, you know, bachelor or married without kids, whatever. The community of parents that exists. It's like once you are a parent, you are arm in arm with every <laughs> other parent out there to we'll get through this together. Okay, we will all help each other. We all understand. I will never judge a situation. I'm only here to pick something up or do or hold a door or whatever I got to do to help you. I will do. And that community exists. It's like a community you just weren't even aware about before I had kids. Like I just lived very selfishly and never thought about others and kind of looked at kids like whatever. And we're all just kind of doing our own thing. No, there's a there's this unspoken community that exists amongst all parents that I, that, that, at least in my mind. Uh, and so that's why I always, <laughs> there's a very much a difference stuff like that happens in public. I'm always like, how can I possibly help this situation? You got to jump in. No, that's not, the, that's not the answer though. <laughs> jumping in, jumping in is not something. Uh, no, no, I don't want to jump in. That's 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 not the community that I'm talking about. It's like I'll, I'll clear some space for you, okay? And I'll run <laughs> off somebody talking some trash, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump in. That's the last thing I'm gonna do. Uh, all right, last one uh, from Zach Turner. Best brewery exp- experience after 50 West. Everyone acknowledging uh, the grand champion in the room. Uh, he mentions these three. Mad Tree, Braxton, Rheingeist. What do you got, Jay? I, I prefer Rheingeist beer, but for the experience, I'm going to go to Braxton. I've been to both the OTR and the the Northern Kentucky Braxton, and I, I like them both. I just like the vibe there. The I don't know. I just I like going to Rheingeist. I like the indoor cornhole and the ping pong and all that, but it it just it doesn't have the same vibe as as Braxton. And honestly, I have never been to Mad Tree. I know that's that's probably as much as I like breweries and beer and and that type of stuff. It's it's probably a big gaping hole on my list. But yes, I've never been to Mad Tree. I do like their beer. I have I still have some pump can in my fridge. My wife got me a whole bunch of different kind of pumpkin beers for, um, for my birthday last month. Um, so I do, I love mad tree, but I just have not been there to experience it. It is an eight minute walk from my house. Mad tree. <laughs> and that's, it's a solution, uh, and a problem. Uh, and it's, it's incredible. I, I don't, this isn't close for me. Best brewery experience is mad tree. Mad tree. Huh. Their, their, their place that they have is it's huge. It's fun. It's, the the catch a fire pizza is really good. Um, it's a great atmosphere, indoor, outdoor, fire pits, you name it. Kids, 
a, you know, kids during the day. It's like everyone's got kids and it clears out at night and there's tons of people in there. They got space here. It's, it's, it's ideal. I think, I think Madtree has, has done as good a job as anybody of building a unique, memorable, fun for everyone brewery experience as anybody in Cincinnati. So Madtree would be a pretty clear, uh, one for me there. And, and 50 West, you know, if I was throwing them in there for pure experience is, Great in in the summer it blows everyone mm. away because so much of it is outdoors. But with Madtree, you're added. They have much more indoor space, and Mad and Fifty's done a good job where they have now have multiple indoors and they have the tents a little bit too. But Madtree really has much more covered in the winter uh, for for a place to go for all seasons. So for that fact, they're number one. Uh, Braxton would be my number two, and Rheingeist would be I boot. Uh, on Ryan Geist, and that's not any problem with Ryan Geist. I just partake, I, it's not as much my cup of tea as the the, the Covington rooftop uh, that mm-hmm. Braxton has to me puts them over the top. Ryan Geist has a nice one too, but I, I like going over to the other side of town every once in a while. All right, one last one for you, Jay, that I did not tell you about, <laughs> and it is: Should we do another run pa- all run pass or boot episode? Do another one before the season ends in the off season or never again? This was awful. Uh, I'm going to boot never again because this wasn't awful. This was a lot of fun. Um, It's a good question. I I like where this one hit mid-season. I'm not sure if we should do another one before the end of the season or save it for the off-season. If you do one in the off-season, you can look at the 2022 season. You can look at the draft. You can look at free agency. There's a lot of different avenues you can go there. so I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll run with off season. I'll pass another one this season and I'll boot never again. Yeah. I'll, I'll boot another one this season. There's going to be too many <laughs> games to react to and <laughs> things to talk about. Like I, you feel like you lose. We, we covered a lot of ground and I think we covered a lot of things about the second half of the season. But if I, you feel like you do feel like you lose a little bit of a focusing topically, I'm a little bit, my brain, it, it might be. It might be the the oxy. I'm not sure. I did. I didn't take any this morning before we started, but I do have some probably remaining in my system from from last week. It's that that I feel a little jumbled trying to keep up with everywhere we went, but it was fun and I enjoyed it and I felt like I was we were doing a good job spouting. But I'm so I'm gonna I'm still gonna boot this season. I'm I'm gonna pass on never again. This is awful and definitely I think I think it pretty much set the stage for a really good one we can do in the off season. Thank you again to everybody that sent in. Uh, run passer boots we of course love doing them continue to do that we will still do our run passer boot sessions at the end of all the all the episodes uh but you know we probably won't try to squeeze 15 or 20 of them into an episode for a while again (laughs) (laughs) but it was a fun change of pace so hope everybody liked it uh thanks to mo egger for joining again we'll be back thursday uh we'll have vic joining us from vegas uh talk us about what's going on with the raiders uh after a really weird Uh, turn of events for them and uh, in in what has been an insanely weird season. And so a lot to cover there. We will be talking, uh, reacting to everything we get Wednesday uh, with everybody back in and and talking about uh, specifically predictions, growler bets, you name it, everything for for Sunday's game and then the walkout after the game on Sunday. We'll have all that coming for you. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time when you hear that podcast growler. Have a good one everybody.